Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. You guys are buzzing. You guys are literally buzz, like your buzz. This is, this is great, man. Uh, hello. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hello. Nice to see you. Hi. Nice face. Nice face. Hi. Great face. Yes. Nice face. So, um, hey, my name is Sam. I'm the youth pastor here. And uh, man, if you are new to Citizens, let me just tell you, you're in for a treat. You're in for, I'm talking to you. You're like, you're talking to me. I'm talking to you because you're in for a treat, girl. All right. This is Citizens. And um, man, where do I even begin? You know, you know who we are? We're citizens, but you know like who citizens is? Who? It's like a plural noun, so it's hard to not attribute a plural verb to it. But let me, let me describe. Oh, look, more new people. What's up? So many new people. Let me tell you. Um, here's what you can, if you understand this, you'll get who we are. Citizens, we're like, we're hungry. You know what I mean? Like we're hungry, not for Chick-fil-A, bro. No, no. Like citizens, this community... This community, we're hungry for like something real. You know what I mean? And if you've been here for any amount of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right, Gigi? You know what I mean when I say we are hungry for something real. You know, we, we're in school all day, surrounded by fake people and fake relationships, and we come to church, we come to our community because we're hungry for like real relationships. Is it possible? We're surrounded by all of these, you know, these ploys and people just trying to get us on their, in their marketing strategy. And we go, dude, I want to be a part of a mission that is real. I'm hungry to be a part of something that is bigger than myself. Something that is worth living for. Hungry for real mission. And most importantly, here at Citizens, we are hungry for real truth. There's a lot of people talking out there, right? A lot of people in the Twitter sphere. And we say, dude, with everybody talking, is anyone talking? With everybody speaking, can I actually trust anything? And so we come here on Wednesday night, we come here on Sunday morning because we know that for the 30, 35 minutes that we open up God's word, we know that God is speaking. So welcome to Citizens. We're hungry, right, Len? We're hungry for something real. And so for the next few moments, I'm excited because we're gonna have some real. So if you're ready, say real. Real. Woo-hoo-hoo. All right, all right, well, let's get started. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I will start by divulging a little bit of information about myself. It all started a long time ago. No, I'll just fast forward a little bit. Um, recently, this past fall, I decided to do a thing. Okay? Hashtag, I did a thing. And so I decided that I wanted to transform my body into long-distance running. Okay? Now, let me explain. Let me explain. Some of you guys, actually probably all of you guys, can run longer, faster, better, and like look cooler than me. So you're not impressed, but let me explain to my rationale. I grew up running track. I'm a pretty decent sprinter. But when you get to like 26, 27, 28, you start to run out of opportunities to sprint against people. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not like, dude, I see you in Safeway. Race me right now. Like, it's just, there's not a lot of practical use for being a sprinter. And so if I wanted to have energy and physical exertion, I realized 
that I was going to have to start doing the long run, you know. And so I was like, man, I've never run more than one time around the track. Like literally, like one time around, that was my race, 400 meters. That's as far as I go. Beyond that, it's like a wall. I literally hit it. And it's like, dude, I'm out. And so I was like, how am I going to do this? And I came across this phrase that I'd like to share with you. I drew a lot of inspiration from it. It's very deep and profound. I'm ashamed to say that I put this up on my mirror. I wake up in the morning, the alarm clock goes off. And I would read the following phrase, just getting started is half the battle. It's pretty good, right? Pretty good. And so I just needed to get started. So I was like, I'm going to become a runner. So I went out to Nike, went out to my friend Scott, gave me some Nike passes. And I was like, dude, I'm friends and family. I'm Sam Cassis, might have heard of me. And they're like, everybody has these passes. So they bring me in and I got like a new pair of shoes. I had some running kicks, right, with the air inside, the soles, makes me faster. I was walking toward the checkout line, I found socks. I was like, there's a such thing as running socks? I was like, yeah, because the bands inside compress your feet and the airflow and the sweat can release and evaporate. I was like, dude, I need it. Because just getting started is having the lot. So I got me some socks. Found out that there's running pants, right? Not like sweatpants. Dude, I got a pair of running, I actually called them my magic pants. It started off as a joke because they're Nike pants and they're like tapered at the end. And at first you're like, oh, it's high waters. And it's like, no, that's the style. So I'm like, wow, feel fast. So I got me some magic pants. I literally call them my magic pants now. Um, dude, I got me some like headphones because I'm not trying to run with the wire and the phone. That's just such a rookie mistake, right? Everybody says noob. So I got like the Bluetooth headphones. I got my headband and I got the obligatory running selfie, right? So I'm ready. So I got my gear on and I open up the front door and I'm just like, I'm doing the, you know, the Cody, the Cody thing as he's coming out of the back, right? And I'm getting ready. And I got the app too. Did I say about the app? Downloaded the app, right? Nike app. You know about that? Got the Nike app. Come out and I get it, right? And it's like, I press start. And the app's like three, two, one. And I start running. And I hit the pavement. And at that moment, something happened, right? At that moment, it was like my feet felt like I betrayed them. And they started to scream at me, you know? And it was like my lungs, after a few seconds, my lungs were like, whoa, you mean we're not just running to catch like the bus? We're not just running to get to the front of the ice cream lot? Like we're actually doing this thing? Whoa. And it started to give me all this agita. And it was just, my body was in full on revolt. And at that moment, I realized a powerful truth. Yes, just getting started is half the battle. But after a few moments on the blacktop, on the asphalt, I started to go, dang, what about the other half? Just getting started is half the battle, and I was ready to start. But once I hit start, I was like, what about the other half? You see, students, it's very significant to get started. It is very significant to begin and initiate your journey. But remember, that's half the battle. What about the other half? And you see, we're just, when just getting started is half the battle, you have to remember that we still are just getting started. And that this thing is far from over. That there is a journey ahead of you and there is a lot of work to be done after you get started. And so we're in a current study right now through the book of Colossians where we are learning about this group of people, kind of like you and me, they're called the Colossians, okay? And now the Colossians have had something radical happen in their lives. In Colossae, and we come over here to our stoplight, in Colossae, we learned that God has made dead people 
live. This is the gospel. And so you're like, welcome to citizens. I just wanted to come for some fun and cake and games. No, no, this is real. We are hungry for real. We have a message here. Hear ye, hear ye. We have a message called the gospel. And the gospel doesn't promise you a nice life. The gospel is not about being successful. The gospel is not about finding friends. The gospel claims this, and nothing short of this, that God is making dead people live. Welcome to Real Town, USA. It's the gospel. And so the Colossians were dead. You in this room were dead, and God has made us alive but it's not over. You see, friends, this was the foundation. We see evidence of God making people alive, faith, love, and hope, but it's not over. This was just the beginning. And students, we are just getting started. Whether you were baptized in 2018, whether you were baptized in 2010, whether you were baptized in 2000, were you guys born in 2002? No, (laughs) whenever you were baptized, like the reality is even at your age, you are just getting started. And God's plan for your life is not to just make dead people live because we're just getting started, but there's more. God wants to see you grow up. He wants to see you mature. He wants to see you built up. And that's what this entire series is about. You're a Christian, yes. God has made you alive, yes. You found community with other people who have been saved by the gospel, yes. But we're just getting started. And we're gonna learn throughout this series that God's plan is to set the entire trajectory on your life on a trajectory of growth. And so, the last two weeks, we've learned about the foundation. But we're just getting started. Are you ready? We're just getting started. You guys ready to move forward? This is the end. This was the beginning. This was the end last week. Now this is the beginning. We're moving on. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right, here we go. Stand to your feet. We're going to have an interactive night. Stand to your feet. He wasn't ready. Stand to your feet. And here's what I want you to do. Shake it out. Shake it out. We're going to read our passage tonight together. So here we go. Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 14, nice and loud, nice and loud, all right. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of and transferred us to the kingdom of his in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. You may be seated. Good job. Good job. This is the Bible. So here's what we do here at Citizens. We simply walk through a passage verse by verse and we're gonna do something real here. We wanna see what it says and we're gonna do something about it. So let's get started. Look at this, verse nine, back to the beginning. 
Paul has heard that the Colossians, who once were dead, spiritually speaking, he heard that they're now alive. And so he does something. He heard that they were once dead and now they're alive. And so in light of this transformation, Paul begins to pray for them. Everybody say pray. Paul begins to pray for them. And I'm not saying just like, oh, that's nice. Lord, bless them. He starts to pray for them regularly. Look what he says here. We have not ceased to pray for you. I'm going to move this guy over. Hi, I'm Paul. Actually, he could be Paul. I didn't have a name for him, but that was not bad. All right. And so regularly, he prays for them. He says, without ceasing. So check it out. On the regular. Paul is praying that the Colossians would grow in their faith and be built up and mature. On the regular, he's praying that these Colossians would be built up and grow. And so here's what we learn just from these very first few words. Guys, eyes up here. Look what we learn. God uses prayer to build his people. God uses prayer to build his people. Now, let me ask you a question. Ethan, come here for a second. God looks at Ethan. Come here, buddy. Ethan was once dead, but now he's alive. How do I know? Because I see evidence. Faith, love, and hope. Stand up here. And so God's desire is for Ethan to be built up and matured. So then why do I need to pray for that? Think about it. Listen, listen. God's desire is to see Ethan Adams matured and built up. So then why is Paul praying for this? Does it matter whether or not we pray for him to be built up if that's already God's plan? Really? Isn't it God's plan already for him to be built up? Does it matter if we pray? It does. Yes, thank you, Ethan. And here's why it matters, students. Because God, and this is clear all throughout the Bible, and this is what Paul is doing. God loves to do his will in response to the prayers of his people. God loves to accomplish his will, to do what he wants to do in response to the prayers of his people. And so he's teaching his people to pray according to his will. He's teaching his people, you and I, citizens, youth, he is allowing us to participate in his will by praying for it because God uses prayer to build up his people. So here's what we're gonna do tonight. You guys ready? We're gonna do the first, we've never done this before at Citizens, but we're gonna do it. I hope you're comfortable, all right? Because we're gonna get uncomfortable. Tonight, I don't wanna talk about prayer. Tonight, I don't want you to talk about prayer. Tonight, I want us to actually pray. Because God uses prayer to build up his people. So I'm not going to sit here and hope that Joel Wyhe and Morgan O'Connor are going to just grow up and mature and be built up. No, I'm actually going to pray for my boys. I want you to pray to that end because it's God's will. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to move through this text, and there's four things that, we, that we're going to pray. You've heard of a full body workout, right? Full body workout, like, yeah, bro, obvious, (laughs) such a dude, clearly, right? Excuse me, man, I'm just a scrawny camp guy, I don't know. (laughs) So you've heard of full body workouts, tonight, we're going to do full body prayer. Full body prayer, are you ready? Head, shoulders, knees, and pray. Here we go. (laughs) Head, head, I'm just kidding, that's not how you play it. I I did not do the Lord Nord there, okay? 
So here's what we're going to do. We're going to move through this passage and we're going to pray. And so I need everybody in groups of four, four and no more. You have 10 seconds. I don't want you across the room. 10 seconds to identify four people right now. Go. Time's up. Everybody find your four, touch their shoulders. I need to see pockets of four right here. Where are they? Are you four? Four. And then you two right behind you with Ke- right there, Becca and homeboy. All right, here we go. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Energy this way. Energy this way. Here's what we're doing. God uses prayer. God uses prayer to build up his people. So let's pray. Are you ready? Here's how we're going to pray. Look at the very first verse. We're going to see how Paul prays, and then we're going to imitate it. Are you ready? Are you ready? Hey, it's a full body prayer. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Verse 9. Look what he says. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Paul, what have you prayed? Let me tell you. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The first thing, the first thing that we are instructed to pray is that we would understand God's will. (laughs) I should have got somebody not four foot nothing to put the brain on, right? His brain is like coming out of his head. He's sick. I don't know. Is that better? It's good. It's good, man. (laughs) Yo, the first thing that Paul prays here, he says, I want you to understand God's will. You've been saved by God. You have been set apart for him. He has a plan for your life. He has a will now for your life. And so I pray that you would get it. I pray that you would just get it. I pray that you wouldn't be a student who walks in here going, yeah, I'm here because my mom said so and my dad and my grandpa and everybody. I pray that you would just come to your senses and understand what God has actually accomplished in your life and what he wishes to accomplish. I pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. Think of it like this. Think of it like this. Do you guys know how they train elephants? Anybody know how they train elephants? One bite at a time. No, no, I'm just kidding. That's the wrong joke. Here's how they train elephants. So they take an elephant from the wild. They take elephants from the wild. They bring them into the camp. They stick a stake in the ground. And they chain the elephant to that stake. Okay? The elephant, sometimes I've even, I read up on it, sometimes they even use cages instead of chains. And so the idea is the elephant has such a short leash. His peg or his leg is tied to the peg and the chain and all he can do is walk in small circles. He can't kick because his legs are tied. He can't rear up and do what elephants do. Right, he just can't do it. He's a slave. And so they keep the elephant tied to this chain for months and months and months. And then one day, they remove the chain. One day, they take the peg out of the ground. 
But by this point, the elephant has been so trained. He is so used to being a slave that even when the chain comes off, all he does is walk in his small circles. He's been set free and yet he has no idea. The elephant has no chains on him. There's literally nothing, Anna, keeping him there. But he doesn't get it. He doesn't see it. He doesn't understand. And so Paul is saying, I pray that you would understand just how radical your situation has changed so that you would not be walking around your student life in the same sinful circles. I pray that it would not be lost on you just how radically free you are. Pray that you would get it. Pray that you would get it. And as you start to look at your life and you start to realize, whoa, I'm starting to understand God's will for my life. He saved me so he can set me free so that I can now go and walk, which we'll get to in a different direction. But as you start to understand this, I'm gonna give you a warning, citizens. If you wanna be cool, if you wanna fit in, if you wanna be perfectly understood, warning, because you're, as soon as you start to understand this, you will be misunderstood. Because you're gonna start to understand the world. You're gonna start to understand God's plan in a way that other people don't. Because you have been given spiritual wisdom and understanding. You see, God's plan for your life doesn't actually make a lot of sense to the, to the outside eye. God's plan for your life only begins to make sense when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and when the Holy Spirit gives you his insight and he gives you the wisdom. So be prepared to be misunderstood. God has a will for your life. How many of you say, Sam, I wish I knew God's will for my life? How many of you, like right now, if I were to come and say, dude, I could tell you God's will for your life. How many of you hope to learn God's will for your life in the next five years? How many of you say, dude, if I could figure out God's will for my life in the next 10 years, that'd be awesome. Okay. How about we accomplish it in 10 seconds? Check it out. Let's go look at it. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Get it! That's what he's saying. I pray that you would understand it. God's will for your life is he saved you, he set you free so that you can then go and live for him. That's his will. But what school does he want me to go to? Just go live for him. But who should I marry? Just, just please God. But, but what color t-shirt should I wear tomorrow? What's God's will? God's will is for you to be sanctified, continually grow. Paul's like, man, I pray that you would just get it, students. And so are you ready? When you're misunderstood and people are like, dude, I don't understand where you're coming from. And you can go, you know what? You won't understand it, but let me just put it simple for you. I'm not about that life. I'm not about that life. I don't understand why you don't walk in circles anymore, man. This is what we've done forever. Yeah, you just wouldn't understand it. You don't understand God's will for my life. I'm not about that life. And so let's do it. Let's pray. Pick one person from your group of four and I want us right now, what we're gonna do is we're just gonna pray. And here's a few phrases that you can pray. This should be 60 seconds, right? It's 90 seconds tops. Come on, shake it out, shake it out. Don't stare at me, y'all, come on, right? Let's go, this is not Netflix time. This is Play-Doh time, all right? Get your hands dirty. Here we go. We're gonna pray 60 to 90 seconds. We're, all, we're praying that God would help us to understand his will. Go.
All right, five seconds. All right. All right, let's keep going here. So the first prayer, Lord, would you help these students to understand your will? May they be filled with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And everyone said, amen. Let's keep going with our full body prayer here. Here we go. So we pray that we would understand. Look at the second prayer. Look at verse 10, what he says. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. The second thing that Paul is praying, he says, I pray that the Christians would understand God's will so that they can walk in God's will. I pray that they would understand that they're free so that they can walk in freedom. What he's saying here is our second prayer is, I pray that you would walk in God's ways. Anna, that's the left shoe. I'm just kidding. They're the same. They're the same. They're shoes. Poor Anna. Poor Anna. I pray that you would walk in God's ways. Look what he says here. Look at the words. This is is actually a really interesting word. He says here, I pray that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Everybody say worthy. You know what I think of when I think of this phrase? I want you to imagine, imagine that there's this uh, orphan kid and he lives in, um, in India, okay? And there's this orphan and it's crazy because like he's homeless. He doesn't have parents. He actually like lives in the slums, Okay. And so like for food, it's like whatever he can find, whatever he can scavenge, whatever he, scavenge, whatever he could steal. And so this crazy thing happened to our friend though here in India, right buddy? This crazy thing happened where the king, right? Is there a king of India? That's not the Dalai Lama, is it? What's the king of India called? Let's go with the king, right? All of you who are like, I know my Indian geography, you're a liar. Or history, politics, geopolitical landscape. I've heard it both ways. So listen, the king, the king goes out into the village. He grabs this young little boy and he brings him into the palace. And the little boy's like, what did I do? What did I do? Am I in trouble? He goes, no, no, no. I'm adopting you. You're my son. Everything I have here in the palace is yours. He brings him up to a room, opens the door. This little boy has like a roof over his head. There's a bed. This kid's like bugging. He's like, Pinch me, pinch me, pinch me, pinch. Like, what is going on, right? And so he's, like, adopted. He's now a son of the king. And so he wakes up in the morning, and he hears a sound. It sounds like this. He's like, oh, I'm hungry. That's my stomach. I'm hungry. And so he goes, I need to go get some food. And so he puts on his new shoes that he just got, puts on this cloak that he just got, because it's a little bit chilly out in this part of India. It's probably northern India. 
because um, it's usually chillier there. And he, and he goes outside and he begins to like look for food, you know? And so he finds to go to the garbage. He walks back down to the old part of his village and he just grabs, and he gets like a feast, man. He found like a half-eaten chicken bone. He found some ketchup packet. It was beautiful. And so he comes in with his feast and he's like, wow, man, that was a good breakfast. And somebody goes, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm just, I'm eating. That's not the way you eat anymore. And he's like, oh, I, I just thought, I didn't know. You know, we have a kitchen with an abundance of food. So he goes, oh, great. So he walks into the kitchen and he sees somebody standing there with like some shawarma. And so he punches the guy in the back of the head, steals his food and runs away. (laughs) Because that's how he usually gets his food. And so finally the king has to sit him down and says, listen, listen, listen. You're a son of the king. That's not how we act in the king's family. That kind of behavior is not worthy. That kind of behavior does not behoove someone who belongs to the king's family. And so let me teach you how to walk in a manner worthy of the king. So Paul is saying, students, don't you understand who you are? Because once you understand, you can now begin to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. Now that God has adopted you into his family, I pray that you would walk like a child of the king. And in this family, welcome to citizens, in this family, do you know what the culture is? Do you know what the standard is in God's family? Holiness purity, righteousness. When he brings you into his family, you learn that he is holy, he is pure. And so his will is that those who he brings into his family are also holy. And so you see students, when you come into the kingdom, when you start to understand that you've been adopted into his family, there becomes a new litmus test to discern all of your actions. There becomes a new question that you start asking as you think about different actions and words and all these different things that you do with your life. You no longer ask yourself, does this please me? You no longer say what your friends in middle school say. Is this pleasing to me? There's a new question. And the question is this, is it pleasing to God? Does it please him? Like, dude, if you can introduce this phrase into your friendships, your friendship, talking about real, your friendships will become real as soon as one of you has enough courage to enter this into the conversation. Does this please God? Does this please God? And, but you know what we do? We've created this lie in youth culture today. It's called narking, right? And it's like, well, I don't want to be like a stick in the mud or I don't want to be a nar. I'm not going to dare tell my friend that I think what she's doing doesn't please God. And so what we've done is we've insulated ourselves from accountability, We've actually coined a phrase in a negative sense to say, how dare you challenge me? But in the family of God, we ask this question to each other all the time. Does this please God? Hey guys, I know we're watching this movie, but I just like, does it please God? And immediately, what do you hear the voices? No, bro, don't be legalistic. Nah, bro, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't try to be judgmental. Nah, bro, don't do... What? We're in God's family. That is not a way the child of the king acts. And so Paul says, I want you to understand it, but I want you to walk it. I want you to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. I want you to live a life that is constantly asking this question. Does this please God? Does this relationship please God? 
Does this, does this show that I watch please God? Does the way that I talk please God? Does the way that I act please God? Does the way that I think please God? Does the way that I speak to my parents please God? Do the places that I go please God? Do the websites that I visit please God? Do the apps that I use please God? Whoa, this is intense. No, it's a family. Welcome to the family. And so Paul is praying that we would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And you know what it looks like? You know how you can tell when somebody is walking in a manner worthy of the Lord? There's two shoes here. There's two shoes. You're like, because there's two legs. No, it's deeper than that. It's because there's two reasons. And here, look at the reasons here. Look what he says. This is what it looks like to be pleasing to him. Number one, you're bearing fruit in every good work. You can tell that somebody is living a life pleasing to the Lord because they're continually increasing in doing good deeds. They're bearing fruit, meaning there's evidence in their life. Somebody becomes a Christian and they just, they're living it. <laughs> they're serving. They're speaking. They're, they're doing all of these things that bear fruit, that bear evidence of their salvation. But they don't do good deeds as an end to themselves. These are not people that are walking in good deeds just because that's the thing to do. There's a second shoe here in the, as, they, as they please the Lord. They're walking and doing more and more good deeds because they want to increase in the knowledge of God. See, Christians don't do good deeds as an end to themselves. They do it because they know that they can know God. You guys can know the Lord. You can walk with God not know about God. All of you here know about God. Otherwise, you wouldn't come to a church building. You know about God. You know of this God. Your friends talk about this God. But the knowledge here is this experiential, dude, I know him. You guys know Michael Jackson? No, you don't. You guys know Justin Bieber? No, you don't. Hey, no, but seriously, though, but seriously, though, you guys, you guys know, um, what's her name? Um, you know what? Oh, uh, I don't even know J.K. Rowling. Um, you guys, oh, dude, no, but seriously, though, seriously, you know Beyonce, right? No, you don't. You know about Beyonce. You know about Bieber. You know about the latest, but nobody knows them, except the one person in the back. She's like, that's actually my cousin. Then you know. The knowledge here that we're talking about, students, man, I pray that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, increasing in the knowledge of God. Is there anybody here tonight that wants to know God? Is there any student here that is tired of playing the church game and says, man, I want to have a relationship with the living creator and experience life with him and for him? Is there anybody here? Let's pray to that end. So get in your groups here, and here's how we're going to pray. Lord, help us to walk in God's ways. Help us to bear fruit. Help us to walk in holiness. Help us to live lives that please you. Ready? Pray. Ten seconds.
let's continue. Let's look at the third prayer here. Let's look at verse 11. Verse 11 that we read. We pray, Lord, help us to understand your will. Help us to walk in your ways. And then number three here, verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Everything that I just described about the way that you walk, I know exactly what you're thinking and I agree with you. That's not easy. That's not easy. Following Jesus is not for wimps. My youth pastor used to say that to me all the time through high school and we'd all laugh and chuckle, but like, yeah, yeah, she's so corny. And then you get like to real life and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> following Jesus is not for wimps, you know? You realize how difficult it can be. But here's what you need to understand. This difficult journey is not going to be done by sheer willpower, all right? Now you need to hear me on this, students, because we as a culture, we love grit, determination, sweat, energy. You can do it, just do it, right? And we love these messages and we get chills and we just wanna grab it. But you can't live for the Lord that way. You can't live for God by your own power. You can't live for God with just try harder. Can't do it. God's message to you, students, listen, God's message to you is not try harder. God's message to you is not just do it. God's message is this, that he gives you the strength to endure. God will give you the strength to be patient even in the midst of suffering according to his glorious might. What you guys need to hear tonight is not be stronger. What you need to hear tonight is that he is strong. Sam, I don't think I can live for Jesus anymore. Sam, I don't think I can do this much longer. Sam, you don't understand how hard it is in my school, man. Maybe if I went to Mountain View, it'd be easier, but at Union, God's message to you is that he is strong and and He has given you the most significant source of energy. He has given you the most significant source of power to accomplish it. He's given you his glorious might. And so he calls us, he prays that we would live in God's power. Gatorade. He says that we would live in God's power. I'm not going to delay on this one, but understand this. When God saves you, students, eyes up here because you need to hear this. When God saves you, he puts his Holy Spirit, the most significant source of power and strength and energy and might. He gives you more than this. And this is so cheesy, I know, but you'll never forget it, right? He gives you his Holy Spirit and he actually puts it inside of you. And you want to know how powerful the Holy Spirit is? He raised Jesus from the dead. I think that's pretty tight. And so there's only one thing left to do. There's only one thing left to do when you start to realize the power that God has given you to fight sin and the power that he's given you to to live out his will and walk in his ways. Wage war. 
wage war. I meet with so many students, and you guys are like, man, I'm just getting slaughtered out here on the battlefield. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm sitting on my thumbs, and I'm really just hoping that nobody hurts me. Do you understand that this is spiritual warfare? Do you understand that there's an enemy who doesn't want you to be built up? Do you understand that there's an enemy of your soul who would love to destroy the work of God in your life? So you gotta wage war. So there's only one thing to do. Try harder. No. It's to live in God's power and to realize that he's already given you his glorious might. So let's pray. I want us to pray that the Lord would strengthen us, that he would give us the power of his Holy Spirit, that he would enable us to follow him. So get in your groups. 15 seconds here. Pray. Pray your gifts out that we would live in God's power. Go. Five seconds. All right. All right. Lord, help us to understand your will. Help us to be filled with the knowledge of your will. Help us to walk in a manner that is worthy of you. Lord, help us to be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might. And we end tonight, we end the prayer with this prayer giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. A huge part of our prayer life, and you've got to get this. This is more than just November 29th or 22nd or whatever it is. A huge part of our prayer life is, anyone? Thanksgiving. What other holiday would be on November 29th or the 22nd? Come on, people. Thanksgiving. Everybody say Thanksgiving. So what do we thank God for? What should we thank God for? Well, I got my new shoes, and I got my, my little brother, and I got a new toy, and I got a good great. This is what we're going to say. We're calling us to thank God, giving thanks to the Father for his salvation. Give thanks for God's salvation. All throughout the Bible, there are literally dozens dozens of metaphors to help us understand different aspects of God's salvation, okay? And so the gospel, your story, like what actually happened to you is so important that we, like, the, the Lord doesn't want us to forget it. He doesn't want us to ever lose the wonder of how miraculous it is. So he gives us dozens and dozens of metaphors. And one of our favorite metaphors here at Citizen Youth, you guys know it, one of our favorite metaphors to talk about salvation is the tale of two kingdoms. Tale of two kingdoms. So this is the tale of two kingdoms. Hi, I'm a human being. You're a human being. Great. Everyone here has been born, but unfortunately, we've been born into a certain kingdom. Every single one of you here, you've been born to what the Bible calls the kingdom of darkness. It's a kingdom where God doesn't reign. God is not, this is not the, the, the rule, under his rule and reign, because every single one of us, we're walking around with little crowns on, trying to be our own kings. Sounds like a nightmare, right? And so we're walking around this kingdom, and it's called darkness, because in this kingdom, it feels like 
lifestyle that constantly rejects the Lord. And it seems cool. Like, honestly, in the kingdom, it seems fun at times. It seems awesome. Life is thriving until you realize that the entire thing that you're basing your life on, living out, is going to be judged and punished in perfect justice by a perfectly righteous God. And you realize, you go, what's wrong with this? It's working for me. Except the moral creator of the universe has said that is wrong and evil, and I will punish it. And so it goes, dang. But there's another kingdom. And it's like the total opposite. It's not the kingdom of darkness. It's the kingdom of light. And God, he rules, and he reigns there. But you can't get in. So, have a great day, guys. Thanks for coming to sit in the seat. Have fun in the kingdom of darkness. Wow. I'm not, I'm only half joking though, because like, you really, you can't get in. You can't jump over the wall. You can't really like, buy your way in. You can't be smuggled. Because in order to get in, the only people that are allowed in the kingdom of darkness are those who have perfect righteousness and holiness. And that's none of you. Tale of two kingdoms. But here's the good news. Here's why we can talk about the bad news so easily and honestly and transparently because we believe the good news that Jesus Christ gives you his perfect righteousness. Jesus Christ grants you and the other oh, I just broke his pocket. He's new threads, alright? Jesus Christ gives you or the, the way we see here in the text he qualifies you. None of you qualified to be in God's kingdom. The little boy in the slums didn't qualify to be a son of the king. But Jesus qualifies. Jesus gave him access. And so here's what we're going to do. Even as I say this, I want to practice thanksgiving by just responding and say, thank you, God. Or say, thank God. You ready? We're in God's family only because Jesus qualified us. We're set free from the domain of darkness. We live in the kingdom of light where Jesus reigns. All right. You're like, I've never thanked God before. It's like I'm practicing full body prayer, right? Here we go. Our sins are not held against us. Now it's funny when you do it in a room of a couple hundred students, like when you're laying in your bed at night and you're going through these, it's like, holy cow. Thank God. Like, wow, like, and see, you're here and you're smiling and laughing, and I get it, but like, all I do is just pray, like, God, could they understand the words that they're saying? It's not your sins held against you? Like, oh, thank God! And it's like, it's not be living in a kingdom that's going to be judged in perfect righteousness. To be saved from the wrath of a holy God. To be granted the sonship of the king. To be in fellowship with God. Dude. Thank God. Thank God. I pray that you would understand that. So here's how I want you to finish this prayer. I want you to pray. I want you to pray by giving thanks. So as you pray with your neighbor, take 15 seconds here. Pray, thank you, Lord, for saving us, for forgiveness, for giving to Jesus righteousness. Go ahead and pray.
seconds. All right. Thank God. Thank God. So students, here's what, here's what we experienced tonight. Here's what I hope through this full body prayer that you realize tonight. That God uses prayer to build up his people. I hope that Jonah grows up. I hope that you mature, that you are built up in your faith. But I have news for you, buddy. God's going to accomplish that in your life through prayer. He needs prayer, friends. And you know, we say that in culture, it's like a jest, right? He needs prayer. I'm like, me too. <laughs> we all need prayer. And so I encourage you, even tonight, as you go to bed, and you're like, I don't really know how to pray. Do a full body prayer. Think of this attractive prayer. Cut out, man. And pray, Lord, help me to understand your will for my life. Help me to walk in a manner worthy of you, that I will please you. Help me to remember that you've given me the power of your spirit. And help me to give thanks. Because Jesus' righteousness is now mine. I do I want you to save the date. You can take out your phones, put it in your calendars, write it down. But I want you to save the date. February 8th, we're going to do this again. But differently, we're going to pray. If you're going to camp, you should be here. Because we're praying specifically for camp. This past fall, we called for a Friday fast, and I'm doing it again. I hereby pronounce a Friday fast. Fast breakfast. Breakfast, you take that time praying and reading. You fast lunch, take that time to get away and spend it prayerfully with the Lord. Instead of going to dinner, you come here and we're going to lead you guys in prayer. For five to six, we're going to pray. We're going to end that prayer and then we're going to break the fast together. We're going to be in here, we're going to have a meal, we'll set it up cafeteria style, come, we'll fellowship together, and it'll be good. So, Friday night fast, I'll be there as we pray. Thank you.